Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 74, and I'm drinking Damiana Liqueur. With each episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, also entertaining and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Damiana on this episode because of the bottle. It's shaped like a nude pregnant woman. What more can I say? So the bottle I have, it's uh, technically Guayacura Liqueur de Damiana is the actual name of it. It's from Mexico. It is 750 milliliters, 30% alcohol by volume, making it 60 proof, and it retails for $30. From here on out, I'll simply refer to it as Damiana. So the bottle, as I said, it is clear glass and it's quite amazing. It's only has a very small neck label and literally it's on the neck because the bottle is shaped like that of an Incan fertility idol. It's a naked pregnant woman, complete with breasts and large buttocks. The spirit inside is a vivid yellow and the label on the neck is predominantly red with some green and black accents. I have to chuckle a little bit because my nine-year-old son saw the bottle on my desk and he took notice, but only in a passing curiosity. I would not describe the bottle as obscene at all, nor erotic, though others may have differing opinions. A note on being a responsible alcohol consumer. Obviously, I have a growing collection of distilled spirits in my house, and I have a young son. He's well aware of this podcast and my work on it. We also talk about alcohol being something for adults only, and since a young age, well before I started the show, my wife and I made clear distinctions with my son about how and why adults choose to consume alcohol and what happens when you consume too much, which I've done, and we've been real with my son about the effects of overconsumption. He has zero interest in drinking any of it, as I'd expected his age. However, we're only a few years away from all of it being under lock and key. Laws vary based upon countries and customs, but it's agreed by all that booze isn't for kids and can have some physiological effects on developing minds. So, in the U.S. at least, this is strictly for the 21 and over crowd. One last note on the bottle I have, it came with a hang tag, which I like. It's simple, includes a brief version of the story of the spirit and a few recipes. So now let's open it up and have a drink. There's some shrink wrap here. winning it's just a little screw top oh uh, we've got a little pop i got a pop when i opened the bottle because the little foam gasket that's on the inside of the screw cap had come unglued from the screw cap and was affixed to the rim of the bottle so that's what popped off when i took it off let's go for a pour With each spirit on Liquor in the Core Connoisseur, I'm tasting it neat, which is straight out of the bottle at room temperature, undiluted. I'm using a clean Glencairn glass for it, which is a whiskey nosing glass. And in the glass, it's very yellow. It's vividly yellow. Same color as you see through the bottle, because the glass is clear, of course, in the bottle. So in the glass, it looks the same way. It does look a little syrupy. Let's try it on the nose. Ooh. That smells familiar. What's it? Uh, hang on. It's got an herbal, medicinal, bright mintiness note on it. It's like a menthol with 
maybe a hint of cinnamon or vanilla. Ooh, I might have to go try a bunch of different spirits to really nail what this is, but no matter. It smells, I guess, like itself. There's definitely a bright, minty herbaceousness to it. All right, let's try it on the palate. Hmm. It's sweet. There's definitely a menthol mintiness to it. I also pick up anise or licorice flavor. Let's try it again. There's a, a slight bitterness. It's not bitter, but a slight bitterness balanced with the sweetness. It's quite sweet. One more try. Herbal, a little floral, a little anise, hint of spice, and minty. It's good. It's its own flavor. I'm surprised. Actually, this is, this is really quite good. Okay, let's talk history on Damiana. Information is a bit sparse on the spirit, to be honest, but I reached out to the U.S. importer and was able to speak with the CEO for 20 minutes or so about the spirit. So my thanks to Jim McCartney for filling in some of the gaps. First off, Damiana takes its name from an herb that grows wild in Baja, California, and other hot, humid areas of Mexico, extending as far north as the U.S. border into parts of Texas and California. It's a highly aromatic shrub that grows to about 6 feet or nearly 2 meters in height and produces small yellow flowers the color of the Damiana liqueur. Damiana is purported to be an aphrodisiac, and though claims have been made to this effect for well over a century, as far as I can tell, there have been no real scientific studies done to prove or disprove these claims. Written records from the 19th century show physicians prescribing Damiana, the plant, not the liqueur, as a sexual tonic. And one such reference noted in the book, The Drunken Botanist by Amy Stewart, it's on page 158 if you're following along with your copy at home, has a doctor in 1879 writing that the Damiana tonic should be given to female patients to produce in her the very important, yet not absolutely essential, orgasm. Well, there you go. Another study noted in the same book shows Damiana could speed recovery time in sexually exhausted male rats. But the aphrodisiac reputation dates back much further than the 19th century physicians. Historically, the indigenous Guayacura people of Baja, Mexico, where the Damiana plant flourishes, used it medicinally for many different ailments, from headaches to fatigue to poor circulation or asthma, including in religious ceremonies where the aphrodisiac qualities may have been preferred. Legend also states that it was such a powerful aphrodisiac that chieftains banned its consumption. But beyond this one region of Baja California in Mexico, Damiana is claimed to have been used by other ancient peoples of Central America, including the Incas. And a tradition repeated by Damiana Liqueur, the brand, is that in some traditional wedding customs, a mother-in-law of the bride would give a bottle of Damiana Liqueur to the bride on her wedding day in hopes of many grandchildren. There's no real proof of this traditional custom, but it adds to the story. So this connection with fertility and wetting the sexual appetite is still used today in marketing, and that is why the bottle is shaped like an Incan fertility goddess.
When I asked Jim, the U.S. importer, how old the brand was, he reckoned it was about 70 years old. And since I can't locate any other sources to substantiate or refute this, we'll go with that. It seems reasonable. There's another brand of Damiana liqueur available in Mexico, but this brand, Guayacara Liqueur de Damiana, first came to the U.S. in the late 1960s or early 1970s. But when it was first imported, it wasn't in its distinctive bottle, rather a more typical spirits bottle. It then disappeared from the U.S. market for some time. Jim McCartney, the U.S. importer, had a friend who vacationed in Cabo San Lucas for spring break in 1990 and brought a bottle of Damiana back to Jim. They were intrigued with this liqueur they'd rediscovered, so with no experience in the liquor importation business, Jim and his friend pulled in another partner and formed Damiana Importing Company in 1990. By 1991, they had product available in the States. The Mexican manufacturer, located in Guadalajara, had at some point prior to 1990 changed the design of the bottle to the current Incan goddess motif. As the U.S. importer, Jim and his team put together some point-of-sale materials to help promote the brand, but the bottle is the best sales tool. People tend to buy it for the novelty of the shape, and it tends to be a bottle that when empty is often kept and reused. In the U.S., Damiana is available only in the 750 milliliter bottle, but I've seen empty 50 milliliter bottles available for sale online, along with plenty of other empty full-size ones of various years, all essentially the same glass mold. MexCore International out of Houston, Texas serves as the brand's distributor, and Damiana is available in about 35 U.S. states. It's also available in Mexico and other countries from the manufacturer or other importers. I went ahead and asked Jim what Damiana tasted like to see if he had any particular flavor profile he'd share, and Jim's answer was a bit telling. He said they did a few focus groups early on and had 10 people in a room and try the spirit, and they got 10 different answers with regards to flavor. I will say it's familiar yet unique. Sales figures weren't disclosed, but I have a sense Damiana tends to be a pretty niche brand. Jim did note that sales in my home state of Oregon have been strong over the years, but in the three decades that they've been importing Damiana, they've not expanded into any other spirits. Damiana is, it seems, enough for the company. One last bit of trivia that's often repeated in the tale of Damiana is that it's claimed the first margarita cocktail was made with Damiana and not Cointreau. But do give episode 65 on Cointreau a listen for their take on the origins of the margarita. The history of the margarita is, like most cocktails, disputed. And I'll refrain from passing judgment, but what I do know is that in the Los Cabos area of Mexico today, Damiana margaritas are quite popular. So now onto how it's made. The U.S. importer honestly couldn't tell me much about how Damiana liqueur is made, and that has a lot to do with the fact that they've admittedly not asked. One thing they did verify for me was to dispel the rumor that Damiana, this brand, is not made with tequila. There's no tequila in it. There are some other brands available in Mexico that may indeed have a tequila base, but this Damiana liqueur does not. In doing additional research for this episode, I watched a number of Spanish-language YouTube videos describing Damiana liqueur, and one I found states that it's a maceration of Damiana flowers in sugarcane alcohol for 15 to 20 days, along with pure water. But in going through the translations, this may simply be a recipe on how to make your own homemade version of Damiana liqueur. What I can say for sure is the color is artificial. The small label on the neck of the bottle lists caramel color and yellow number five. 
five added. It also has sugar in it, that I know. There's got to be real Damiana plant in the process somewhere as well. Damiana is a cultivated herb, and a quick internet search will return pages of sources selling you the dried herb form of the product. My educated guess on production would be that it's the Damiana plant and some other botanicals, maybe some anise, macerated in neutral alcohol, perhaps redistilled, then filtered, blended with sugar and color plus pure water to bring it to bottling proof. So now on to cocktails and consumption. The hang tag suggests that you put the bottle in the freezer and sip it straight, ice cold. It also notes that the bottle will not break in the freezer. But as I mentioned before, the way you'll often find Damiana served is in a Damiana margarita. You simply substitute Damiana for the triple sec in the recipe. So in summary, what do I think of Damiana? The story was a little fuzzy. I was happy that I was able to speak with Jim, the CEO of Damiana Importing Company here in the U.S., and get a little bit of the untold story that's not available online. But with regards to the spirit, honestly, I'm quite surprised at the flavor. It's, as I said, it's familiar yet unique. It's actually quite good. It's sweet, but not overly so. I like the mintiness. Some of the reviews I had watched online, people equated it to Fireball, so as a it was going to be really cinnamony. I don't get that at all. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the bottle. This thing is <laughs> amazing. I mean, it, it uh, absolutely will stand out on your bar. They uh, cleverly have a clear, small label on the back for the government warnings that you really don't see from the front. So it's essentially just a, a, a naked, naked bottle with a small label on the neck. It's cool. I'm going to keep it when it's empty for sure. So that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor in the Coor Connoisseur. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Show notes are on liquorinthecoorconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. The show is also on social media. Please follow me on Facebook and Instagram. I always love hearing from my listeners. So if you have feedback for me or a spirit you'd like me to try, please do reach out. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>